Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. Have you ever had one of those weeks where a scripture just keeps stirring in your head? Like you can't, you can't get it off your mind? And so for whatever reason, for me this week, it's been Galatians 5-7. And Galatians 5-7 says this. It talks about how you were running the race well. A lot of people, you know, know that scripture. You were running the race well. What interfered? What hindered you? What has gotten in your way? What has heeded you from following the truth? And let me be very clear. It's not some great sin, right? Because I, I, while that can sometimes get in our way and that can be the thing that stops us in the race and heeds us from truth, sometimes it's not some great big sin. It's just the busyness of life. Or it's just the mind games that the enemy begins to play with you that says, you're not going to get to the promise that I want spoken to your life. And look where you are right now and look what you could have been. And for me, that was the mind game sort of this week. And so that scripture just over and over kept getting stirred in my spirit. What has stopped you? What has hindered you? What has slowed you down? What has caused you to kind of pause in the pursuit of me, Emily? What, what has sort of caused you to drop anchor? If you've ever been on a boat, one of my favorite places to go is Destin, Florida. It is of God. I believe God created Destin, Florida and the ocean just for my pleasure. And I absolutely love it. It is my happy place. I know the ocean is also Kim's happy place. The ocean is fantastic. And if you've ever been out on a boat in the middle of the ocean or out on a boat, period, you know what happens when you drop anchor. I remember one time we as a family were out and we were in a pontoon boat every year that we go down and spend a a week as a family in Destin. And we were out on a pontoon boat and we didn't realize that my nephew had kind of pushed the anchor that was in the back over. And all of a sudden we were beginning to tilt up. And I remember thinking in that moment, everybody was like, what is going on? Have we hit a sandbar? What has happened? But the anchor had been dropped. And how many of you know that when the anchor drops in your life or you allow an anchor to drop, you immediately stop? You, all of a sudden, the progress that you were making begins to slow down. And that was what God kept speaking to me this week. Don't drop anchor. That's the message that God has stirred in my heart because I believe it's not God's plan for you to stop pursuing. I believe it's not God's plans for dreams to go unfulfilled. And maybe you're like me in this room this morning and you just need to hear that God isn't done. God is not done. So for whatever purpose, dream, passion, desire that you still have, can I share with you God is not done. So don't drop anchor in your life. Pick it up today. And that that phrase or that story comes from Paul writes in Acts 27. It's a story of the life of Paul. Paul, the great apostle. Paul, who wrote 14 books of the New Testament. Paul, the great missionary that would journey all over. Paul, who finds himself on a boat as a prisoner on a journey unfulfilled. The backstory is that Paul has been arrested. He's now appeared and he makes an appeal to Caesar. And we find in Acts 27 him boarding a ship from Asia to Italy because God had given him a destination of Rome. And God had said, I want you to appeal. I want you to go before Caesar. And so in Acts 27, we pick up this story of Paul now on a slave ship 
headed for Italy. And it says this, when it was decided that we would set sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. Paul is in prison at this point. He's made the appeal and he's going to end up going to Caesar and God has said, I need you to go appeal to Caesar. There's a purpose. There's a plan. I need to get you to Rome. In verse 9 it says, Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. It says, So Paul warned them, Men, I can see our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot, the owner of the ship. Can I just pause right here and say this? So many times we do the same thing in our life in the sense that we decide in the moment or in the midst of circumstance to follow the natural instead of relying on the supernatural. Can I share with you, be careful. Be careful of looking at situations and surroundings and just focusing on the natural because God's got a plan and he's got a purpose and he's got a reason. And we're going to find out, of course, at the end of this message what that is. But Paul's on his way. And so we can't blame Julius too much at this point because Paul's saying, hey, listen, stop, don't do it. There's a storm that's going to come. But Paul takes the, or the, the centurion takes the advice of the natural, the owner, the ship of the captain. So we get to verse 13, and it says, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But before very long, a hurricane-force wind called a nor'easter swept down from the island, and the ship was caught up by storm. They could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. And then we get to verse 17, and it says, Because they were afraid they would run aground, on the sandbars, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day we began to throw cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Neither sun nor star appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. They are in the midst of a violent storm at this point. They are in the midst of trying to do everything they can in the natural to save the ship, to figure out what to do. They've ignored the a voice. They've ignored the, the Paul so far. They've now found themselves in the midst of this storm. How many of you have ever found yourself in the midst of a storm? How many of you have ever found yourself in the midst of a storm where you begin to do everything you can in the natural to find your way out of it? You begin to say, oh, shoot, it must be this. I'm throwing it out. Oh, it must be this. Oh, I, I've got I've to begin to secure. I've got to begin to tighten up. I've got to begin to do everything in my control to find my way out of the storm. That's where they're at at this point in Acts 27. They are feeling like all hope is lost, and they're wrapping the ship, and they're wrapping those ropes around the ship, trying to save whatever they can save at this point. And we get... To the next verse, and it says, After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up courage, because not one of you will be lost, only ship will be destroyed. And he says, Last night an angel came to me and stood beside me, and he said this, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. 
And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. How many times, though, do we allow the storms in our life to detour us from our destination? And Paul is saying right here, see, God spoke to me. I have a plan and I have a purpose and you're going to Rome. And you're appearing before Caesar. So take hope and take courage. And Paul at this point is talking to the men. Men, take hope and take courage because God's given me a destination. And so I have courage in the fact that no detour nor storm can defer the purpose of what he's placed within me. And so that's his message to these men on the boat. There is so much I think we can take from this scripture. But all God kept repeating to me is don't drop anchor. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word. Lord, teach us not to drop anchor. Lord, teach us to have faith in you. In your name we pray, amen. Don't drop anchor. What do I mean by that? I think you go back to Galatians 5, 7, the scripture that I kind of started out with, which is you were running the race so well, what happened? What happened along the way? What caused you to slow down? What caused you to heed? What caused you to stop pursuing? What caused you to drop an anchor in your life? What caused your momentum, your passion, your pursuit of me? What has caused you to stop? What has caused you to stop your progress, caused you to decide in your mind that good is good enough? Man, I love stories in the scripture where good was not good enough. I love the story of the Shunammite woman who's on her way and her son has died and she meets Gehazi along the way and she says, no, you're not good enough. I need to get to Elisha. I need, to, I need him to come heal my son. Or the story of the woman with the issue of blood who decided that good was not good enough and she was not going to live in the unkinged condition anymore. So she gets on her hands and knees and she crawls her way to touch the hem of his garment because good was not good enough. Or Zacchaeus who decides that good in the crowd isn't good enough. I'm going to climb a tree because I need to see him differently. Good is not good enough. Or the story of the men who decide to cut a hole in the roof of the house to get their friend healed because it was too crowded on the ground floor. But good was not good enough. I think we need some good is not good enough to raise up within us. We need faith to arise and begin to say good is not going to be good enough. Can I tell you this morning, I think God is saying good is not good enough. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to break through that storm in your life. Yeah, this might be an okay situation, but good is not good enough. There is more for you. There is more destiny. There is more purpose. There is yet something unfulfilled. So don't allow the storm to cause you to stop. Don't allow the storm to cause you to drop anchor. Don't allow the storm to hinder you in the process. Keep running the race. See, this I know, storms will come. This I know, the storm is probably going to come. I'm not going to stand up here and say storms aren't going to come because this, I do know, storms come. The Word teaches us that storms come. The question is, what do we do in the midst of them? What do we do in the midst of the storm? Here, Paul is on his way to a destination. God has given him a destination. God has given him a plan, and he's given him a purpose. 
what happens along the way, what happens in the midst of the storm. I want to share with you three simple points because three is holy. And I am keeping them simple because I learned from Tim, keep it simple. And I love that about it. And so I have three points because three is holy. And point number one is this. What happens along the way that causes us to deter? What happens along the way that can cause us to drop anchor? And the first one is this, the voice. What do I mean by the voice? Who are the voices that you are allowing in your life? And what are they speaking to you? Because in the midst of the storm, we find at the very beginning of this story, Paul says to Julius the centurion, don't sail. We've wasted way too much time so far on this journey. It's about to turn a bad season in the, in the, you know, in the ocean. Don't sail to Crete. Hold back. And that was one voice that was speaking into the life of the centurion. But then Julius turns around and says, what does the captain say? What does the owner of the ship say? What does the crew say? And instead of following Paul's voice, all of a sudden we begin to see this man follow the voices of those around him. Not bad voices. By any circumstance and right, they had a right to speak into the situation. But can I tell you, not everybody has a right to speak into yours. And if you don't know the voice, you will begin to follow a different one. And you will begin to hear someone around you speak into the natural situation when God wants you to listen to the supernatural voice that he has in the midst of the storm. And so be careful the voices that you've allowed in your life. There is a TV show called The Voice. Anybody else but me watch it? It's good. Blake Shelton, Adam Levine, Pharrell, I like The Voice. But can I tell you that while they're searching for The Voice, that is not The Voice. There is The Voice, and that voice is not found in 1 Kings 19. We learn that voice is not found in the storm. It's not found in the earthquake. It's not found in the fire. It's not found in the wind. But it's found in the still, small voice. It is found in the whisper. Are you in a position where you hear the whisper? Are you allowing yourself time and circumstance to get into your prayer closet to hear his whisper? And when you get there, do you know his voice? Do you know the voice? I've been honored to have some incredible men and women of God in my life. And one of those is a man named Pastor Steve Hill that was a spiritual father in my life. And he was the evangelist of the Brownsville Revival revival that happened in Florida starting in 1995, and I got to know him, and I got to listen to him tell stories to me, and my favorite story, he told it to me a couple times, probably because I needed to hear it numerous times, but it was a story about the voice, and it was a story about a spiritual father in his life by a man named Leonard Ravenhill. The story goes like this, as Pastor Steve would tell it to me, that one day he went to Ravenhill's house and was in the study where Ravenhill would pray, and Leonard Ravenhill began to whisper something towards Pastor Steve. He was like, what? What are you saying? Ravenhill whispered it again and said, come closer. So Pastor Steve kind of moved out of the chair and leaned across the desk, and he whispered it again, and he still couldn't understand him. So he said, what are you saying? And Leonard said, come closer. 
So he got even closer. Two or three times this same pattern occurs. Till finally, Pastor Steve said, I was, my, my ear was to his mouth in this awkward way, in this awkward situation. Leonard would lean into Pastor Steve's ear and he would whisper this, Stevie, God has secrets. And he whispers them. He doesn't shout them. But you've got to be close enough to hear the whisper. Are you close enough to hear the whisper? Are you close enough to know the voice? Because in the middle of a situation and in the middle of a storm, in the middle of something that's going to come into your life because storms are going to come, in the midst of that, will you know the voice that you're supposed to listen to? Because if you don't know the voice, the outside voices that are speaking into your life can very easily distract you or keep you stuck keep you in the midst of dropping anchor, and you will drop anchor at a point that God never intended your journey to stop. He intended you to make it through the storm. He intended you to keep going, but we allow the voices in our life to say, okay, good is good enough. Can I say this? The voices you choose to hear now will echo in your ears in later years. The voices you choose to hear right now, the voices that are speaking into your life will echo in your ears in later years. So be very cognizant, be very thoughtful of who you're allowing to speak into them. Because when the storm comes, you're going to go back and you're going to rely. I do. I go back and I think of moments where someone spoke into my life and said, hey, listen, Emily, when the storm comes, keep pressing, keep pursuing, find the voice. Narrow your circle. Surround yourself with who you know is going to protect you. Surround yourself with who you know you can account on for accountability. Surround yourself with strength. Because when that storm comes, you need to know those vo- the voices echo in your ears, bad or good. Know the voice. Are you getting yourself into the position? Are you finding yourself in the cave where you can hear the whisper? Because n- allowing... Negative voices in your life can cause you distraction to your destiny. And God's got a destiny for every single one of us to fulfill. Number two, point two, I think the thing that can happen to us in the midst of the storm, the thing that can cause us to stop, the thing that can cause us to hinder us, to slow down, to drop anchor, is when we begin to look at only me. Oh, it's only me. Whoa, woe is me. Woe is me in the midst of this storm. God, what has happened? Why are you allowing this to occur to me? Me, me. Don't you see me? It's happening to me. I'm stuck. I'm in the middle of this storm. God, what is going on? You you promised me this. It's happening to me. And all of a sudden, we can begin to get this only me mentality. Let's stop and think about Paul. Paul is a prisoner. Paul is on this ship as a prisoner. Now, I don't know about you, but I know in my head, I'd be saying, okay, God, I have done all this work for you. You have brought this storm to kill everybody else and free me. Thank you, Jesus, for this storm that is about to give me my freedom. I love the fact that that was not God's plan. In fact, when the angel came to Paul, he said, oh, hey, Paul, take up good courage. I'm going to save you, and I'm going to save everybody else. You're going to remain a prisoner because I have a plan. I have a purpose. 
Your destiny, your journey, it's not here. It's not your freedom. Yeah, that will come, but I got to get you to Rome. Don't forget the word I spoke over you. Don't forget it's not about you. It's about the purpose of the destination that I've got you going to. This isn't your stop. This isn't your end. I've called you to Rome. I've called you to appear before Caesar. I've got a purpose and a plan and a destination, so get your mind off you and realize this storm is not just about you. It's about me being able to work in the lives of so many people that are coming up. So can I tell you this too? Get your focus off of you in the midst of the storm and realize that it's a testimony to the generation coming behind you of what you survived through. It's going to speak to the generation that is yet to come. It's going to speak to friends and family. It's going to speak to so many other people if we can get our focus off of us. But so many times that's where it stays is we just sit focused on us. And we fail to see that in the midst of the storm, God can be able to work it for a testimony for someone else who wouldn't have had the strength to make it through. But because you had the strength to make it through and because you were able to look at it and say there is greater purpose, God turns around and uses it. Because I love that scripture, all things, all things. Can you say that? All things. All things work together for good. And while I may not like it in the midst of the situation, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the circumstance, His word tells me all things work together for good. And so many times that's not in my life, that's for the future. That's for me being able to be a testimony or an encouragement to someone else. And while I may not see the good immediately for me, I can watch the good happen for someone else. And I can rejoice in the testimony that I was able to be a part of. Amen. I love this scripture in Genesis 50-20. I love Joseph. Joseph's story speaks to me in so many ways. But in jo- we know that Joseph gets thrown in the pit by his brothers, right? And then he gets accused of something he didn't even commit. He finds himself in prison. And then all of a sudden he finds himself at the palace, second in command of all of this. But Genesis 50, 20 says this. At this point, the brothers have appeared to him. And he's standing before them. And he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Why? Because Joseph understood the greater why. And if we just keep our eyes and our focus on us, we miss the greater why. And at that point, Joseph sees his brothers and his, you know, his father yet to come. And he says, I understand now. I didn't like the pit. I didn't like the prison. Yeah, I praised him in the midst of the storm, but I now see the greater why. I now understand if I had not been put into this position, the lineage of the tribe of Judah could have died. It could have ended, but God had a greater purpose. God had a greater why. Whatever storm is going on in your life, Paul finds himself in the midst of a huge one in Acts 27. There is a greater purpose. There is a greater why. And if we get our focus off of us, we can begin to see it, and it will not detour us from our destination. It's about the generations yet to come. We get so caught up in a moment, and I meant to bring a yardstick, but how many of you know that when you're nervous and you leave the house, you forget things? 
So I meant to bring a yardstick with me, but I didn't. So you're just going to have to picture it. Can you do that? Mentally picture this yardstick with me. Or a tape measure if you're in construction, whatever works for you. But we can get so caught up in a moment of life. We can get so caught up in a moment of time. And I remember a preacher did an illustration, and it has stuck with me, and I was going to do it today. But if I stretched out a tape measure, if I held a yardstick, just 12 feet or 6 feet or whatever it might be, and I stretched one out, let's say 80 to 90 feet, the length of a person's life perhaps, 90 feet across this sanctuary, you would see how long it is. But we get so caught up in an inch. And we allow the inch in our life to deter us from the whole entire plan and purpose that God has stretched out before us. And in those moments, we fail to understand Jeremiah where he says, I have plans. I have purposes for you. I have destinations that you have yet to accomplish, but you have allowed the storm of an inch of your life to deter you from the plan, the purpose. Can't you see the destination? Can't you see where I'm heading? Don't get so caught up in the me moment of the storm. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose, and I'm going to use you yet. Widen your picture. Widen your view and understand there is a greater why that is going on. Thirdly, in the midst of storms and in the midst of circumstance and situations, we want to know what causes us not to drop anchor when we remember this, but God. But God. If I would have subtitled this message, that's what I would have titled it, but God. So my question to you today is, will you be storm-driven or will you be destiny-driven? Perception on this boat was we have wasted time. Perception was the storm is raging against us. Perception was we are doing all we absolutely can in the natural to save the ship, to save the lives of the crew. Perception was we have thrown absolutely everything overboard that we can. Perception was we are going to die right here in the midst of this storm. Reality was God had spoken to Paul earlier and said, you're going to Rome. So many times in the midst of the circumstance, we forget the but God in the midst of it. We forget the word that he's given to us. We forget the destination in the part of the journey. But God, reality was God had a plan for Paul. Paul was going to Rome. There was a purpose that he needed to appear before Caesar. Longevity, understanding the journey. I've learned it's a lot less about what we drive, and much more about what drives us. Because it's not about what we drive, but it is about what drives us. It's not the accolades or the degrees on the wall, and that's awesome. I have some of them. It's not the financial bottom line sometimes. It's not wishing that, okay, if only this. If I had this, if I had $10,000 more, I oh God, that's it. Then I would be there. Can I tell you, it's a lot less about what you drive, and it's a lot more about what drives you to make it through the storm. Because we can have the perfect case scenario, but I promise you the storm's still going to come. And if you're leaning on the wrong thing in the midst of it, you're going to find yourself still in the same circumstance that these sailors found themselves in, abandoning ship and not understanding in the natural what was going to happen. But God... 
Don't lower your anchor until you reach your destination. Your perception is not reality. His word is your reality. His promise is your reality. The storm is merely perception. His reality is the word that he's spoken over you in the midst of the storm. But God, whatever perception is right now in your life, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe you're saying, you don't know, Emily, the doctor report I got. You don't understand what I'm facing from a health issue. Maybe it's financial, and you're looking saying, I cannot see my way out of this debt. I cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. I feel like I keep working and throwing and working and throwing, and I'm working it too hard, and I can't see the way out. Maybe it's emotional, and you're saying, man, you don't understand. I lost this loved one, and I just can't emotionally get over it. Or Whatever it might be, whatever storm is raging in your life, whatever is going on, can I speak these words to you? But God... Because there is always a but God in the midst of the storm. There is always the fact that he is with us in the midst of the storm. Don't let go. Don't drop anchor. You have to confront the fear. Your faith has got to become bigger than the fear. I think so many times it is the fear that keeps us held back. It is the fear that keeps us from stop pursuing. I work for evangelists. Their, their names are Pat and Karen Schatzline. They travel the world speaking internationally, and she put this out this week, and man, I thought it was so good, and it says this, courage is not the absence of fear. Fear is the embryo of courage. Fear is courage waiting to be awakened. Can I speak that to you today? Whatever situation is looking or looming ahead of you, and you say, man, I cannot see the end of it. Don't allow fear to overwhelm you, but decide in your head this morning, but God, but God is in the midst of it. You always have a choice. You have a choice of the flesh to the spirit. You have the choice of fear or you have the choice of faith. You have the choice of Google or God. You're laughing because you've done it too. You have gotten on Google and you have researched it out. But can I tell you, God is greater than Google and whatever it might say you might be facing. So you always have that choice. You have the choice of distraction or you have the choice of destiny. Circumstance can seem one way. Can I tell you, it is not what it seems. Perception right now in your life is not reality. God has a plan and God has a purpose. But God, I love these scriptures. Genesis 8.1 says, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock, and he sent a wind to cover the earth, and the waters receded. Genesis 50.20, we've already read this one, says, You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done. Psalm 73.26 says, My heart and flesh may fail, But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Acts 2, 24 says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. Amen. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God chose the weak things to shame the strong. 
Can I tell you this morning, you have a choice. Will you listen and will you do the natural? Will you, in the midst of that storm, do what the men did on that ship and just begin to throw everything you can over and begin to panic and begin to wonder and begin to allow voices in your life, begin to focus only on you or will you allow the supernatural voice of him, the but God, to begin to take over in the midst of that storm? We have a choice. But God, what in your life do you need to say but God to today? What is going on in your life? Maybe it's a financial obstacle. Maybe that's what's caused your anchor to drop. Maybe it's a physical one. And you say, man, I just cannot get seen past this point. What but God do you need to speak over and declare in your situation today? God is not done, so don't think you are. Because there is a but God in the midst of every storm. So I encourage you today, pick up that anchor. Allow him to be the only anchor in your life. Don't drop one before he's done. With your journey or with your destination. Because God is in the midst of it. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.